You know, it's true what they say. Sometimes you never really know what you got till it's gone. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 74 of the MTG Untapped podcast. I am your host. I am the Micah. And joining me, not as always, because Kosa sadly had to work, had to provide for his family, do all that nonsense. Uh, so he's not here this week, but joining me for this episode is the progenitor of the greatest magic roast of all time. The man who with a straight face said, you're not a good magic player. You just play good magic cards. And I howled like a madman. He is my friend. He is Chrissy D. Chris Donnell. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me again as Coastal Light, which is actually a misnomer because I'm pretty sure I'm heavier. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> lighter complexion that's true i don't go outside uh and being night shift really helps with that so either way this is your second time here on the podcast excited to have you we have some stuff to talk about uh we're recording this on thursday june 16th for release on the 17th and today they did the preview stream for double masters uh and so they gave us a lot of juicy cards because it's like this is their opportunity to just like okay we, there's a lot of cards that y'all really like. A lot of them are expensive. Uh, we're going to put them into a draft format that will be very expensive to play and will make them slightly cheaper after the fact. Um, but either way, it's a, it's a nice time to get some much needed cool reprints. And I believe this is going to be a very um, low print run set. However, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We got to kick things off the correct way. And we have the phase in. And that's where we're talking about something that's still nerdy, but not magic. And so we could have talked about, we could talk about Kenobi or I don't know if you've been keeping up with that show or I know you're a very busy man. I have it in the background. Um, I don't, I don't want to say I don't enjoy it, but I've don't listen to it or watch it as avidly as I do other shows. That's fair. Um, Miss Marvel started, I feel like I can admit it's a well-made show. Just the image might not be for everybody, but I feel like it's a well-made show. What I want to talk about is the fact that another stream happened earlier today. That wasn't magic gathering. That was the final fantasy seven 25th anniversary stream 25 years ago. One of the greatest JRPGs of all time was released, uh, to the public. And it changed video games forever. And so they were celebrated that by announcing the second part of the remake series. Um, I guess as always for the phase in. Um, oh, shoot. Because you said you hadn't actually played all the way through yet. That's okay. You could spoil it. I played uh, through right. half of uh, the original right. number seven. And I played through also well, half of the updated seven that only covered the first third of the game. Well, okay, this will be fun then. Uh, skip to like the 10 minute mark. I don't know if we'll have that. I will, we'll, we'll make it. We'll push it that far. Um, we'll say nine. Skip to the nine minute mark of the podcast if you don't want to hear any spoilers for Final Fantasy. So it's not really a remake. It's a sequel. Like the concept is like by the end, you're like, okay, Sephiroth somehow manifested his identity back in time and uh, is messing with us, messing with everything. And it's also implied that... Um, Interesting. The live stream somehow is giving Aerith that same knowledge. But this implies that it's not like her, it's like, not like Aerith from the future is coming back to be uh, like the same way Sephiroth is. It's like, okay, Aerith being told by the planet. Cause that's like 
she's an ancient uh so she knows that kind of stuff you know um she's very in tune with the world and so they're like the plants like feeding her that knowledge so that's like the kind of concept that they went for with it like apparently it's like that they said they want everything like kind of like go down the same beats like you go to the same places in the same order kind of but you don't know exactly what's going to happen you're playing the same story with a new little twist so they doctor stranged it kind of uh, so they are. So they announced part two of it, and that's called Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, to be released next winter. And I'm just saying, next winter, the next winter is the next upcoming winter, which is like December. I don't think that's what they meant because <laughs> they aren't going to release that game. That, but there's no way they release it before Final Fantasy 16. I don't think. Um, but. Uh, that is the next winter, so maybe I don't know. I don't. I pre- if I should have watched it, that probably would have been. I think your first instinct is probably right. When they say next winter, they mean like the winter after next. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know you also don't want to get bogged down. Yeah, you don't want them to get bogged down in like, oh, we need to release it, but they don't polish it enough. You know that happens with so many video games where the hype is huge, but then it just falls flat, like uh, Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. you know things like that. It, so especially buddy. with a studio that's known for making final fantasy where 15 was make it or lose it. Basically they have to make sure that it's good. Hot take. I, I love 15. No, I, I think I recognize all the problems it had when on release, like it was like half a video game, but by the end, like all the DLC, like I did a replay of it like last year and it was like the windows version had all the DC, which was like 88% of a video game. And that 88% of a video game was 88% of a very good video game. I just remember reading articles at the time saying essentially like if that one flopped, Final Fantasy mm-hmm. would be done. They wouldn't make anything else. And so it was really important that it and I'm not saying it did it did poorly. I didn't play it. I've uh played eight, nine, and like eleven. Those are the only Final Fantasies I've played. But I'm I'm sure, you know, they, it's a it's a well known mm-hmm. studio, they're gonna try their hardest. Especially the all because FF7 Remake was like one of the more polished things that they put out in a long time. So the team behind it is they they know what they're doing, hopefully. But uh, yeah, so all right, we got a few more minutes to kill before we get to the spoiler mark for people who just want to skip to one, then to lose out on premium content. Well, I also wanted um, to just say, so I thought Costa was going to be here originally. I was going to talk to him <laughs> about the new movie Hustle. Have you watched that yet? I have not. It's a... Uh, basketball movie starring adam sandler i love his dramatic roles and it just came out on netflix i thought it was very good but i don't have a strong sense of how accurate it is right it's about getting a star into the nba uh an undiscovered talent and the adam sandler plays a talent scout and he's trying to hustle his way into a coaching position so i was curious how he saw it or what if costa had seen it and what he thought of it and i'd love to hear his thoughts but uh obviously he's not here right now so we can move on to the next part Oh, that sounds like a movie he would watch. I did, however, because a couple was it two weeks ago or a week ago? Because Costa saw Top Gun Maverick, and he's like, "You have to see it, Michael. I will drag you kicking and screaming to the theater." And so, like, I had never seen the first one, so I actually watched the first one uh, last this past weekend. It's okay, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I like my uh, my boss. He's like, he's like, the first one's okay, but this ne- this new one is amazing. And I've literally like everyone. 
I know that has seen it has told me that it's not just good, it's incredible. So I was like, I really probably need to go yeah. check that out. I've, I saw the first one many, I've seen it several times over the years. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. I, I never felt a huge compulsion towards it. Um, I'm not super interested in watching the second one. If I, once it comes to TV, I'll probably see it on some mm-hmm. streaming service. But uh, in terms of summer movies, what I watched recently, me and my wife went to go see the Bob's Burger movie, which much like double master <laughs> previews, I didn't know about until like a literally a week before the set released. I mean, we're probably starting to get previews now, but it was just a big surprise to me. I was like, I've never heard of this movie. And it was, a. Uh, my wife's not usually a big fan of musicals. The first musical felt the very first song felt a little forced, but after that it was very enjoyable. And by the end of it, I wish it was actually longer because it's, it really just felt like watching three episodes stitched together. Nice. Well, all right, that will do it for this week's phasing. Let's move on to a segment where I haven't actually been participating very much recently. Um, no, that's not true. I participated last week because we talked about Commander Legends draft. Um, so this is the untapped step where we're talking about magic that we played over the past week. I did not go to FNM last week. I forgot what I did. But uh, all I've actually played, with, I've just been doing my dailies. on. I've just been jamming Explore. I've been trying to say, like, what's the best mono red variant? Is it just like, like more of an RDW, like just really strong, aggressive red creatures and uh, some sort of top it like Embercleave for like a finisher? Or is it just straight up all the best burn spells in the format and uh, 20 lands or 19 lands or something like that? And that's uh, been okay. Uh, I still get kind of raffle stopped by some decks out there. But do you have anything you want to share? Any stories? Uh, I've done three Commander Legends drafts. I think the set's really enjoyable. And uh, since you guys have been recording, I've only done one extra one. So the last two weeks, I was in part of the pod with Costa when he was playing the uh, Red Blue Dragons deck. I was playing... And he mentioned me that I was there. I did not win. Mm-hmm. I was playing a, a black-green deck focused around Baba Liaga, the 3-3 that allows you to sacrifice multiple permanents to then draw cards and drain everyone at the table. And uh, I've really been enjoying it. I wish that the games, that there were more games. You know, I know that some of them go really long, but I've actually been thinking about saving all the decks that I draft from the different Commander Legends to keep them in like a little box that I can play test them against each other with other people. Since I don't really... Uh, focus on building a lot of commander decks just to see how they play against each other, see how either my drafting has changed throughout the weeks or how the decks themselves just sort of play against each other. Because I will say that when Costa played another time, the next week that I played with him, it was on a Saturday, he had a red-black sacrifice deck, and it was incredible. It was like what I tried to do one of my first drafts, except everyone at the table immediately targeted me and killed me and we just couldn't do that to him because one of the backgrounds that he played was an enchantment and none of us could destroy it and it was just draining us out like crazy that sounds cool uh uh, we will be uh will you be there uh on the 17th tomorrow today as of release day i guess yes i will Uh, so we'll be getting another commander legends 2 draft in uh i'm excited this will be my second uh, I, I didn't have the most fun the first time around, but I was also like tired going in. I didn't want to put too much of my opinion of the format on that. So getting another one in tomorrow, I'm pretty excited. Hope, hope to have a great time. I think the decks have been good, good diversity. And, uh, 
usually of a pretty even power level. I felt like I didn't play a lot of Commander Legends 1, and so I was listening to another podcast where they had talked about the gameplay, and I played it once online on actually MTGO instead of MTGA, because back then, that I don't think they had MTGA back then. I can't remember that far back. Uh, but, oh, they don't have Commander support. They don't have like multiplayer yeah. support on Arena anyways, that's right. And it was, yeah, the decks were cool, but they were kind of sloggy. It was definitely more Battle Cruiser magic, and I felt like the games now, at least with modern fire design, all the cards are strong enough now that they actually just move the games at a swifter pace, like you guys had mentioned. Initiate it, moves the game forward. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm really excited to try out actually doing a, a background commander pair. I haven't done that yet. I've always had an option of a couple different commanders and stuff, and I always try and choose the two or three color ones to give me more uh, diversity, but I just really want to play those two starting cards. It just feels so strong. I really regret it for that Baba Lasaga deck, because that was a cool card, but I had the option of just playing like a 3-2 Menace and an enchantment that made it a 10-10. And I was like, oh, I could just like 10 people with commander damage. It felt like so much fun. I bet it would have. Looking forward to playing more tomorrow or today, whenever you're listening to this. Um... Alrighty then, that'll do it for this week's untapped step. Let's move on to the newest segment, underplayed EDH card. Our, our criteria is sub 5% on EDH rec. Up this week will be Chris joining the podcast. He'll be telling us a card that he thinks is underplayed in EDH and thinks that we should be putting more sleeves on. Okay. What do you got for us, Chris? So today we're going to talk about... Well, let's talk about how I play Commander. <laughs> um... <laughs> I don't build commander decks like a lot of people at our tables do. Uh, at our local playgroup, they have maybe 10, 12 decks like, to each person. So there's always something you can play, and they always have newer commander cards, which are designed to be very powerful. I was watching the game where you and Costa were playing, where it was just a three-mana instant that like gave Costa your entire board, right? It just copied all your tokens, and then he just like killed both of y'all. Oh, yeah. And so he's playing his Ginny Fay deck. Yeah, the Ginny Fay deck. And so I don't know exactly how good this card is, how it's held up, but I do know that I love it from cards decks that I used to design, and that is Spawning Pit. Spawning Pit is at one percent on EDH Rec. It's only a five dollar card. I believe it's had two printings, one in a commander deck, but it's a, from original Mirrodin. It is a two mana artifact that says sacrifice a creature, put a charge counter on it. And you can pay one and remove two charge counters to make a 2-2 colorless creature. So what's cool about Spawning Pit is that it's colorless. It can go into any tokens deck. It's a free sacrifice outlet for things like the newly printed or reprinted Atla Polani for the red, green, white that you can sacrifice the eggs to get the creatures out of them. It gives you the ability to remove your creatures in response to removal spells like or uh, board wipes, and then you can regenerate your tokens by just paying some mana. And it's actually very cool because it's not hard to break in green decks where you play Doubling Season, because Doubling Season, with just this card by itself, kind of breaks breaks even goes and infinite. goes infinite, because you put two counters on it for each creature sacrificed, and then make two creatures for each two counters removed. So at that point, as long as you have a way to generate mana, say... Uh, Ashnod's Altar, 
you're you're just going infinite. You make infinite tokens, and so not only oh, you, oh yeah, you alter. I was gonna say because you, you need you need the mana to really go infinite, right? The astronauts alter, yeah, yeah. So not only is it a free sacrifice outlet and a board wipe and a token piece, it's also a combo piece. It just does everything, and it's cheap and should be easy to find. Again, I saw that it had a second printing, so that's the card for the week: spawning pit. That's really cool. So I, I like the I like the calls. I go for something more, more uh, a little bit older. It might be uh, a gem that was forgotten, and shouldn't have been. I really, I like the. It seems like such a. It seems like a card I would play. I was like, I want to, because I was like one of the very first decks that I wanted to make was like an aristocrat style deck. Uh, but I just never could find the. I wanted like a three color commander, but I couldn't really figure it out. But yeah, I like spawning pits. Well, a really good card. I know for a fact that they printed a very similar card in one of the commander decks because I got it. It was a um, carnivorous something or other. It's a four mana enchantment that lets you. It has the first half of the text essentially, where you sack a creature or sack two creatures to make a a two one. I think. Um, so there are other effects that do exactly the same thing, but that one is twice as expensive and tied to one specific color in red, where specifically because you're making colorless creatures, spawning pit can go into any deck. And there are so many different decks that want tokens in all the different colors, except for maybe blue. And the fact you, there, there's also charge counter shenanigans. Yes. There's a lot of stuff that cares about charge counter. Like you were you talking about, uh, stuff that way. like we were talking last week about vexing puzzle box. One of the coolest things that I think you could do with Vexing Puzzle Box is if you could move the charge counters onto Dark Steel Reactor and just win the game because you're making so many different charge counters. All right, now we're cooking. This is the kind of EDH I like to think about. That's funny. All right, your underplayed EDH card of the week is Spawning Pit. All right, let's move on to this week's main topic, and that is Double Masters two uh i like is the so the like little like abbreviation is 2x2 right yeah that's correct that's how they're abbreviating it so the first double masters came out in 2019 2020 i couldn't remember man i played magic for so long it came out a year prior to 2022 that's that's something we can agree on that's something we can confirm (laughs) yes um and it was a fun time um there, there's some real cool cards. Like they had Force of Will in there. Worm Coil Engine was a thing. Uh, was Jace? No, I don't know. But yeah, there was a bunch of sweet cards. And Master Set, it's always their opportunity to just reprint a bunch of dumb, expensive, cool stuff on a more than likely low print run, and that will help the prices come modestly down, but give you a really interesting draft format. So what we were going to do, we're going to talk about the cards that they previewed today they previewed about like 50 or so i saw is that now as you told me 56 and yeah. uh and then um so you talk about which cards excite us maybe prognosticate a little bit which cards we think or would want them to put into this set but um let's talk a little bit about the way the draft format is structured as opposed to no masters one so Dole masters one was a like most drafts it was focused around color pairs the 10 of them for this one, they went a different route. They decided to focus more on the wedges and shards. And we don't have to do the whole conversation about, well, is it wedges or is it shards? Which one's which? Because they just said, we're doing all 10 of them. So we don't have to have that conversation. So all 10 three-color... I was about to say pairs. That's not the... Um, three-color... 
triads. Yeah, let's call them triomes. <laughs> triomes. Oh, don't get me salty about freaking Zeotora's proving grounds or whatever. But um, so yeah, so it's a uh, set that's going to be focusing on that, which means there might be a little bit more of the common fixing because you really need to nail that if you're trying to make a three color set. Well, you did see we, that what they saw today. You did see what they talked about, right? The one card that's in every single pack. Oh, is it that land? Yeah, cryptic spires. It's guaranteed it's in a- every pack. There's a cryptic spires is a common. It has five pips at the bottom, at the bottom of the text box, and it says it enters play tapped. And at the when you're building your deck, when you're draft, not when you're drafting, and not when you're playing, but when you're building your deck, you circle two of the five pips, and those are the colors that it can produce. And so every pack will have one. And so there's lots of, you know, there's what that makes 24 per draft. So everyone mm-hmm. ends up with, I mean, assume three, but some people could end up with more. That, Chris, you a, hmm? that seems like a you thing. You're like, all right, at the end of pack one, I have five of them. <laughs> <laughs> you guys always say this, that I don't love five color. I just like exploring new cards and, I'm certainly going to try and get 10 of those because I'm going to try and put one in my cube and then have a whole bunch of them that are separated with uh, different colors selected so that that way when you take one, you can just put whatever one you need in your deck. It's just like you like you like do like a perfect fit and just use a dry erase marker or something. I don't know. Yeah, you could do that too. Uh, but you're going to, if you're doing that in drafts, I, it's not going to be out for a long time, but you are going to be using a lot of sleeves that way. You need like a 60 true. card pack or a hundred card pack to do that. I just can't wait for the kid who grabs like a ballpoint pen and just pushes too hard and just has a card with like a really heavy indention on it. And it's like, uh, and then doesn't play sleeved and you can see it coming. Um, but um, yeah, so that's, that's really cool to see. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm excited. I, based on a lot of the cards we saw, there was like, there's a, there was like a, like one, two, three actual three color cards. So it's not like freaking Capenna where it's like, all right, here's all these three color cards. There's three color themes throughout, but it's not like a shards of Alara like set where like, it's like a bunch of three color cards. Well, we've still only seen one of the set, so there could be a lot more. We don't know yet. I'm not saying there aren't any, but I'm saying based on what we saw, I think if there if that was going to be like a thing, we would have seen a lot more today. That's true. Probably. Yeah. They would have had like an uncommon cycle that was shown or something. But all right, let's get into some of these juicy cards. Uh, do you want to trade going back and forth about the ones that excite you the most? Yeah, that sounds fine to me. Do you want to start? Right, or do you want me to start? Off. I'll start. Okay. No, I, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm being a bad. I'm being a bad uh, host here. You're, 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 you're our guest. You get to go first. So let's say one of the. Let's focusing on the limited side. One of the things that excites me is that they have a full set of it. Looks like the bounce lands from Ravnica. Those uh, some of the cards that were released were the alternate art versions of them. So those will show up in regular packs one third of the time. The alternate art versions, but having a full cycle of the bounce lands are not very expensive, but. Uh, another way to sort of fix your mana and up your land count without having to adjust how many lands you're playing or things like that. Bounce lands have notoriously played really well. When I first started playing was original Ravnica. So those are actually uh, my first experience playing sort of uh, multicolor lands. And I remember building four and five color decks and still doing well with it. 
back when I first started. So it's exciting to see them. I don't love that they take up some of the borderless slots, but you know, especially if they take up 10 out of the 80 of them, but it is what it is. Man, I'm looking at some of these alternate art cards and these are gorgeous. Yeah, they are. very Holy moly. Um, well, fine. I'll pick one of the, I pick, I'll, I'll give you the first one that I saw. This is the first one I saw. I was like, dang, that's actually a pretty cool reprint. That's Liliana, the last hope. And we probably don't need to go into like all of it, but it's like, it's probably one of the most played planeswalkers. Cause it's a, it's a modern uh, staple. Is it not? I believe so. Yeah. It's uh, just because the ultimate is so powerful where you get to make two, two zombies every turn with an emblem. So yeah, Liliana, that's a really sweet reprint. And it's, and I believe that it was like over like 50 bucks, I believe. That sounds right. Uh, Just so yeah, I saw that one. I was like, that's that's a really good call. Liliana, the last hope. Looking it up now. Oh, well, maybe. Ooh, well, that, that's the one that just got previewed. What I need to be that? going to Coast's favorite website, KCG Player. <laughs> and look on there because looking on other websites will give me incorrect info. And I don't want Costa to get mad at me for saying incorrect info on his podcast. All right. Liliana, the last hope. Oh yeah. That's a, there's a lot of expensive versions, but it currently says the Eldritch moon version is currently has like a market price of 17. Yeah. When I was thinking of 50, I was thinking of the SDCC one, the one with the bright moon in the background. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, Maybe it'll come down even a little bit more and have easy access to one of the more powerful planeswalkers in Magic. Yeah. But, all right. Can't go far without. Uh, can't go much further without talking about the much needed and much appreciated reprint of Dockside Extortionist. They everyone <laughs> thought it was going to be in Commander Legends Boulder's Gate, and they said, "No, we're saving it for Double Masters so that we could put it at Mythic Rare." It's so funny. It's like you went from like, I want to talk about these limited cards to this card. That's going to be utterly worthless and limited. <laughs> uh, yeah. So dark side, that's, that's a huge one. Cause like dark side, was getting stupidly expensive. And now with the reprint on a low print set at mythic, I keep saying that I probably should confirm it before I say it, but if we have to Costa can come on the podcast next week and correct me. Uh, but yeah, Darkside, that one needed a reprint so bad. I think it was like over $70 or is or something ridiculous like that. And so that was one that, I mean, it's so funny because everyone's like, man, that card needs a reprint. Or at the, in the same breath saying, oh, that card should be banned. <laughs> I was only at 50, my bad. I, I embellished a little bit there. But there's going to be some like etched versions of this that are probably going to be stupid. Stupid expensive. Yeah, it looks like from the versions they released, there's a the, uh, showcase version, which I think might use the same art as the, not the original, but uh, it's got a monkey that looks sort of like Ragavan. It's got that Ixalan art. They actually have quite a few Ixalan cards or Ixalan looking cards in the set. But uh, the alternate version, even uglier. I hate it. <laughs> it looks, it's like a blue skinned monkey. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It, it doesn't do it for me. Gross. Yeah, it's kind of gross. It's a, Not a fan. There's of... a couple of the cards, even uh, Seeker of the Way, where I feel like it looks... I think it's just the 3D modeling, the texturing that they used. It looks a little, I don't know, garish, maybe. 
But a card that does look great and that is expensive, that vampiric, or was it not vampiric tutor, imperial seal. The bad vampiric tutor. Yeah, sorcery speed, but it's got a really adorable skull in the stamp. I don't know why it's angled right at the camera <laughs> on the card, but it, it's funny. So yeah, that was a card that was from, it was a portal card, wasn't it? That sounds right. I'm not 100% certain. So it's so funny because the portal was originally meant to be like new players of magic. Come uh, learn how to play. Here's where you start. And then they ended up being like some of the most stupidly expensive cards in the game. Um, Judge promos. Portal Three Kingdoms. Yeah. So the Portal Three Kingdoms cards are expensive because they were printed not in the U.S. markets, right? So that's it was a limited. Oh, back then you would say limited print run. Let's play. Let's play a little game. How expensive? What do you think the market price for Portal Three Kingdoms Imperial Seal is on TCG? One hundred and eighty dollars. A little off there, bud. By a factor of 10, $1,787.50. Yeah. Price is uh, going the, stonks. The, the low, apparently the lowest listing is 1825 The judge promo. How much do you think the judge promo is? Okay. The last one was 1800 My guess was 180 which is probably what it was a decade ago when I was actually looking at these prices. <laughs> Split the difference and call it eight fifty. Oh, close market price seven forty nine sixty four. Yeah, I'm learning. Uh, this double masters version currently has a market price of three hundred. How it got there, who knows? But um, yeah, it's a card that people will be excited for because like, ooh, it's a one mana tutor. It's a stupidly expensive card. And then I'll ignore the, the fact that the card's not actually very good. Being sorcery is just so bad. And it's like, because unless well, I don't have to be in very specific circumstances for this card to really help you pop off. I don't know, Micah, uh, weren't you just talking last week about how uh, the four mana green instant spell that costs zero mana would be just fine at sorcery speed. So no one would notice the difference because you cast that, that one at sorcery speed. It goes directly into your hand. Oh, you the, get to the top catch your creator hook behemoth immediately. Oh yeah, I if heard, Imperial I Seal put the top. card in your hand, they'd be insane. Yeah, my bad. No, it's no Diabolic Tutor. My bad. It's no, yeah, formatted. Put it in your hand. Oh, that's an interesting question. If you were building an EDH deck, uh, which one would you put in first, Imperial Seal or Diabolic Tutor? Probably Diabolic Tutor, right? I agree. All right, let's go even further. What's that really bad one from like Dominaria that puts one in your hand and one in your graveyard? Well, that's not bad. That's like a six mana spell. We're not talking about uncommons. Come on, you can't compare. No, that I'm saying I'm saying how far up on the mana cost we go for putting it into your hand as opposed to playing Imperial Seal. Oh, mm. and that's five mana. I think the cutoff is probably four. I I can't imagine that you want to pay three or four mana to put something in your hand. Because at that point, you actually are spending your whole turn to do it, and it's not useful. I don't know. I think, because I, I, you, you definitely play that Magic Origins one, where if you have Spell Master, you get three uh, three black mana back, so it's basically kind of like... So it costs two. Net two. Gross five. Yeah. But, net, uh, net two is what's important, though. Yeah, it's like, but you, you, I've cast that card for five mana and not had Spell Mastery before. But, um... Because I just need to find a two mana creature that had um, Undying. 
But yeah, so Imperial Seal, it's a really it's a really cool reprint. But it's a card that's gonna be grossly like over No, I feel like the average magic player knows the card's not very good. But they're gonna be like, everyone's gonna be excited. Oh, I, I mean, honest, if I open one, I'll be excited. I'm like, heck yeah, this is a cool, interesting card with a lot of backstory. What deck are you gonna put it in? No. <laughs> so one of the but, uh, yeah. So one of the cards that really excited me in terms of reprints was a uh, Manavolt, and that's not because I love Manavolt, although it is great and it's expensive. It's because the alternate art actually looks like a vault, and I think that's hilarious that they haven't. You know the the printings that they were using before, uh, they look more like a tower. And I just, I've always wanted a vault that had like a sealed door. The vault's inside the tower, though. Yeah, but you don't know that. <laughs> it could be a distraction. It's about the implication. I, I want. You watch Always Sunny. It's about it's about the implication. I don't need implication. I want visual representation in my magic cards. I want to see everything LGBTQ friendly. Like it's like the start of your your mixtape there. I don't want implication. I need visual representation. <laughs> I'm, Keep it going. I'm pretty sure that that's actually a lyric somewhere. I bet if you look that up in Google, you could find an artist that's used that. Let's look it up. <laughs> I'm not going to look Who's Chrissy D? Yeah, Man of All. I mean, that's a card I wanted to own. I remember I almost picked one up a while back when it was like 30 bucks. Uh, and it crept, it's crept back up to around 60 most places, but we will see where this goes with this new reprint. Let's stick. Hey, let's just stick with one man artifacts. <laughs> cool reprint. Sensei's divining top. That's a card I want to own. I do not currently have one. Really? Hopefully pick one up during this set. Uh, it's like, I saw one thing. It's like in terms of most time wasted in a game per mana cost, Sensei's divining top has the highest ratio in all of magic. And that's why it was banned in modern originally. Just because it took, like, people wouldn't play it right and it'd take forever and that kind of thing? Yep. That's a, that's a hilarious reason for them to ban a card. I think it's totally reasonable. I mean, it's the same reason that they don't want to reprint fetch lands, or they say they don't want to reprint fetch lands in current that's sets. That's so dumb. <laughs> that's stupid. Anyway, since the Divining Top's a cool card, uh, the more you play it, the more your um, IQ goes up. You get more reps in, you get more experience. You feel like you can think faster, you know? You just gotta, you just gotta you just get the people like, just print it into a reprint it into Oblivion, and it'll be cool. It'll make the world smarter. All right, last card that really excited me. Again, mm -hmm. I'm a huge cube person, so this is the first alternate art printing of a Flicker Wisp. This is the first time that it's had <laughs> new art, and I think it looks incredible. It's like, um, let me find the picture mm -hmm. again. Uh, I agree. I think it's like someone being pulled by the flicker wisp out of either some sort of fire or flame or something. And They're I, like, yeah. I tried flicker to scroll in on it, but I found eternal. Terrifying. Oh yeah, it's very scary. It's. A, I mean, it is a horror, right? It's a one white white. Horror. It's an elemental. Oh okay. It's a white card. Why would it be a horror? They can make white horrors. You know, they just had that blue black commander deck that was all about horrors. I don't know. Uh, oh. And you know they can make a white one. They made blue black ones. <laughs> Come on, Chris. It's got yeah, long that's... legs that look like spikes. It's very scary. It could be a horror. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the alternate art stuff when it looks like the foiling on it is going to be nice. I also like as like they have like all the like freaking Eldrazi 
freaking really dope cards and you're like, I want these cube and limited gems. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, you, you're, you're a man who knows what he likes. We, we all have our own vices and that, yeah, these are mine. All right. A couple more cards to shout out. Allosaurus Shepherd. That's a, the single green mana for an elf that it's an elf. So it synergizes well on elves. And it's also a wind condition in elves. I believe it's a staple in legacy elves. Yeah, it was only originally printed in Jumpstart, right? That's the Jumpstart. only thing you can get it in. Yep, and Jumpstart was notorious for its uh, low printing. And so Allosaur Shepherd was a very expensive card, so this is a much-needed reprint. How big of an impact it has on its uh, cost, we'll see, but at least it's something, you know. Another one, Ren and Six. Really, po- another po- Planeswalker 2 mana. Uh, part of the whole uh, Modern Horizons 1 uh, kerfuffle. They were like, here's some cool cards. Oh, they're broken. <laughs> um, what else do we got? Weathered Wayfarer is a nice little, because it's like a $10 card. So that's a nice little reprint there, too. Really? I didn't realize it was that high. I, last time I, was I saw it was like picking seven. One up. I was looking at picking one up. Uh, I I didn't yet. And maybe that was a godsend, because now I'll be able to, maybe, I'll, maybe the first pack I open, there'll be a Weathered Wayfarer and a uh, foil alternate art Liliana the Last Hope, and those be all good. I'll be all good. Yeah, I can. Or foil alternate art Imperial Seal, and it's like, okay, cool. Uh, I'm gonna pass this like probably like five hundred dollar card. I know. Do you think the Double Masters ones are gonna end up being that expensive? Like Imperial, and in terms of Imperial Seal, because we saw like the the freaking TCG already has that three hundred. How it gets there, that's the thing we'd have to ask Costa, but. I wonder how expensive that actually is going to end up being. I think the prices will drop, but then they'll go back up. Just like most Magic sets, I think the best time to purchase them will be not at release, but the week or two right afterwards. And then if it is a very short print run, you're going to see the prices go back up after the set gets opened and they get, you know, what copies there are get distributed to people that want them. Speaking of commander cards, uh, Teferi's Protections in the set. That's another mm-hmm. good reprint. It's a pretty expensive card. Um, what else do we got? There's actually pretty funny because actually they're using this set to actually help out Popper quite a bit too. Experiment one downshifted to common. That's pretty cool. It was it uncommon originally, right? I believe so. There was another one I saw. They were like, "Ooh, that's interesting. That's now downshifted to common." I can't remember which one it is. Was it the two mana goblin? that sacrifices creatures to let you play cards off the top of your library. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, shout out to Shaver. Cause he's the one that's like, Ooh, this is in popper now. Um, which is fair. I always felt like that was like, it was a fine rare, but not something you'd normally want in your rare slot. You know what I mean? It definitely wasn't a 2022 rare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least again, they've only shown 60 cards, maybe a fifth of the set. And I'm already very excited about the number of rares they've shown that are, going to be very expensive you know the only dud i think so far that i've seen has been phyrexian tyranny and as long as they keep the ratio at what it's in what it's at now and they're not just showing us everything right now it should be a great set it'll be worth the purchase price if you're drafting with it i don't know if it'll be worth the collector booster box price since those prices from what i've heard are going to be incredibly high but you know to each their own if you like cracking products go for it. Uh, I'll buy your singles when you're ready to sell them. 
You tell them, Chris E.D. Um, all right. Let's move on to the next little segment. Cards we hope to see in this set moving forward. What's a card that you want to see in this set? Oh, no, I wasn't ready. You go first. That's I'm wondering, Why do you think I asked you to go first? <laughs> so you got to give me a list of these topics beforehand so I can research. Let's see. If I could have anything in the Double Master set, well, would I want in it? Fetch lands. Always fetch lands. I mean, they put them in... Which Master set did they put them in? Or was it the last Double Master they, set? They put them in Modern Horizons 2. Yeah. They put the enemy, the enemy cycle. So put the ally cycle in. Um, I'm not sure the last time it, those five were reprinted, but I would definitely love to... <laughs> Uh, be able to cons right was it okay i think so so then yeah i would love a chance to pick them up at a slightly reduced price we've seen that the master sets aren't going to drop them that much but my goal and hope is that it's just like the uh last lands that come out in Baldur's gate that are now six dollars the uh what do we call those lands the ones that are specifically for commander where they come in untapped if you have two or more opponents uh people call them like the battle bond lands because that's where they're originally from okay yeah so those right now are like you know what costa said last week you should look at those picking those up i actually just recently went to uh amazon i know amazon but i picked up a couple binders and so i've got a binder for my tokens i've organized my token set so that i have all my tokens ready so that i can pull them out for pre-releases and stuff when you have similar tokens and just use those because i like to be prepared and at my LGS. And then also I picked up a binder for, I haven't decided whether I'm going to use it as a collection binder for like cards that I want to hold on to for a couple of years in terms of what could be financially worthwhile, or just to move out of using my three ring, uh, not currently in use cube binder. Interesting. Um, I feel like one card that could probably use a reprint. Actually, I'm going to look how much it is. Before I uh, say it, because this is actually a card I've been interested in owning, and it's like I feel like it's not straight up cheap, but it's not it's like stupid expensive. Yeah, it's like fifteen bucks. Triumph of the Hordes. I got one of those. So it's printed in New Phyrexia, and then it had a mystery booster. I said that'd be hilarious in um limited because it seems like that card's gonna. I mean, it's uncommon. Yeah, I play a copy uh, of that in my Titania EDH deck because I can make a bunch of 5-3s which can kill one player, but then you, you're like, how do I kill all the players without dying? And the fact that it gives infect means that you can kill people with only like two attackers. And also, the the deck is trying to be flavorful and Titania died during the Silex Blast in the old story. And so being able to say... Spoilers! <laughs> from over a decade ago... But uh, yeah, being able to say, well, look, I know this card's $15 and I know it's great and it's generic, but also story value. It goes in my commander deck because of story value. Makes sense. Well, you know what? Aerith dies. So there. <laughs> um, do, you have a, and do you have another card? We don't have to give too many. It's just like, I just think it'd be interesting. Like If there, there's a card that you really like, dang, I really wish Watsy would reprint this sometime. And this seems like as good time as any. Yeah, I don't have anything off the top of my head. Although, talking about Triumph of the Horde, real quick, do you think that it could possibly be reprinted in a um, the Brothers War? Do you think the Brothers War will go into Phyrexian stuff? Ooh! Uh, it definitely won't be in Dominaria United. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it'll be in Brother. I don't think they'll redo that in the actual Brothers War set. But I could see them do that 
probably in like the next because that's what they're building to. They're gonna do something in the Brothers War, and it's gonna go into their what they're doing with the whole Phyrexia thing. Right. They've been building that for quite a while now. Yeah, I think the Phyrexians right. are definitely the next storyline after the Eldrazi finish up, if they ever finish up the Eldrazi. Eldrazi are still a thing. Uh, what's Emrakul is not dead. Emrakul is in the moon, it's but she's moon. alive. So the idea is that she could still do something. She could get out, you know. And so, yes, they have an opportunity. Of course, you could say that for any character, right? Nicol Bolas is trapped in the Shadow Realm by Ashiok. but the Shadow <laughs> I know it's not the Shadow Realm, but that's what I'm going to call it. Um, prison Realm. Sure. It's a magic card. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he anyone could escape at any time. You know? Yeah. They just got to find a way to make it a reasonable storyline. Him and Ugin fuse into the whatever. Um, into the dragon from Dragon Ball Z that grants wishes? Shenron? <laughs> I'm down. Purunga? That one? Uh, yeah, so I saw that's a, my main call. I saw a great altar recently. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, I'm good at tangents. Go for it. The uh, Dragon Ball Z altar of a command tower where it was like tiny Goku climbing that tire, that tower that goes like way up. Tower. Yeah. It goes way up into the sky. It was very cute. I play that. When's our dragon ball Z secret layer? I feel like that should be like a easy decision for Watson. It's gotta be coming. Oh, by the way, what do, what do all these nerds love? Dragon ball Z. Let's go. Did you want to talk about the uh, new secret layer at all? The one that came out. I I feel I like they're nothing about it. It's crazy because I feel like they're almost shadow releasing them, right? I didn't hear anything about it. It just popped up on the website. Nope. I haven't seen any articles about it yet. It's a little uh, too soon for the professor to comment, but they do have another June series that uh, let me pull up all the cards. It looks like a bunch of different artist series. And then they have a another land cycle. That's the Tokyo land cycle, which has, you know, some cars and stuff in it. I like it. I like modern stuff. I always think it's kind of interesting. Let me pull up this artist series real quick. It also yeah, has a Kozilek in it. it. Kozilek? Yeah, so uh, similar to the previous secret layers, they have a decent amount of value in each in each drop. The first one, artist Vulcan Baga, excuse me, has a Elspeth, has a, a patron wizard, and a berserk, which is those should all total up to be the value. The Chris Ron series has a, yep, Kozilek, the Great Distortion, Huntmaster of the Fells, and a Primeval Titan. I, I'm always a fan of these alternate arts, so I like looking at them. I think you guys should check them out. Um, the Livia Prima has a alternate art version of Micaeus that I think looks pretty nice. Again, the Tokyo Lands I was a big fan of. The Rule of the Room is not my bag of tea. I do like the Brimaz. It looks very regal. I like the Queen Marchesa, but I don't feel like they had enough cards or enough of a strong royal theme to really support what they were trying to go for. Uh, but the last one, the special guest Kellogg's Loops, which, do you know that artist? Is that a digital artist? I don't think I've ever heard of them. I've never heard of them. Their description for the art is that it sort of blends 3d and 2d they do a lot of uh sublimation a lot of maybe that's not the right word but a lot of um esoteric art 
Uh, it's got a burgeoning, which is great. It's got a mystic remora, which I don't think is very expensive, but the alternate art for it is beautiful. And so that's one of the ones that I'm probably the most interested in picking up. I'm going to be honest with you. Just like listening to you talk about those cards. I remember it just helped me remember the two cards. I kind of wanted them to put in dull masters. And when I, cause I, when I ever asked you that, I forgot what I was going to say. Go for it. But I remembered number one exploration. Like when you said mentioned burgeoning, I was like, Oh, that's a good call too. But I was like, I feel like exploration could really use a reprint. That's a card that we kind of need. Well, that was in, number two. That was in the last, one of the last master sets, wasn't it? I remember oh, art, the art specifically. We have access to the internet at our fingertips. Um, Urza's, oh, it was in the original Double Masters. There you go. So it's probably not going to be in the second one. That's true. Well, darn. Well, shoot. Uh, what about this other one? Blightsteel Colossus? I also feel like that was in the original Double Masters. Maybe you're just remembering was things it? that you saw. Blightsteel doesn't have a D in it. Oh, it was. Oh, come on! <laughs> You're just like, oh, oh all these things one. that I want, they've already printed. <laughs> come on, I'm employed this go-around. Come on, Watsy, <laughs> give me what I want. Well, alright. I think that'll do it. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, just that I had a great time, and I'd love to be back here again. Oh, we loved having you. Thank you very much for filling in for my friend and yours, Costa. Yeah, you... Um, He'll be back next week, and then he'll be gone the week after, I believe. So maybe we'll be having you back on pretty soon. All right. Hopefully um, we'll have a... Maybe we can get like you in. We'll get Tree in. We'll just have a whole party about it. We'll have a bunch of fun without Coast here. We'll feel <laughs> a little bad for a while, and then I'll be like, oh, but we're having fun, so who cares? But then who knows? Yeah, sounds exciting and to what, me. What I do know is we need to get you on for the next edition of Magic the Game Show, which I have not actually pitched a doing again to Costa yet. But I, I'm kind of getting in the mood now. And I was like, I know the first one didn't go quite as smoothly as we wanted to. But with experience, that means you have experience and then you can do it better. Uh, that's what it means. Um, okay. Uh, I looked at Costa's spreadsheet. He doesn't have any calls for this week. Um my man's working hard. Well, for all of uh, our listeners, yeah. real quick, before you sign off, uh, what episode was that if they wanted to go back and check it out? I, I certainly have already heard it. I just wanted to make sure that everyone knows about it. Oh, give me one second. Let me go through our vast, vast archives, terabytes of data, like absolutely <laughs> mahoosive amounts of data. Uh, I keep scrolling. All right, go, go on to the next page. All right. It was very, uh, what the heck? Anchor, you're letting me down. What's going on? It only goes down to episode 64. What's next? Back? What's happening? Do you remember the title of it? Magic the Game Show. Alright, so it's not on Anchor. Um, just a second. Uh, we're going to get this answer for you. Uh, let me look on our uh, Apple Podcast page. One of the avenues where you can listen to this podcast is on Apple Podcasts along with like Spotify and some other ones I've never even heard of. Yeah. Actually, you know, I could just click this button right I here. I listen through Spotify. You listen through Spotify? You can find us on Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher. Wow, so many All casts. Of those. All of those. Oh, no, that's, that's the Goldfish Podcast. We aren't looking for that. Um, 
no dead air, Micah. Come on. So <laughs> MTG Untapped podcast. Man, you threw you thought I threw a wrench in here. Look, I'm just trying to support the podcast, but I thought you had it at your fingertips. I thought you were ready to go. That was I my thought bad. I did too, but apparently not. All right. We're 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 here. We're scrolling. You know what? We're we scrolling. can just cut all this. We'll just end. <laughs> oh, I'm not cutting anything. I'm not cutting anything. Oh, nope, that's not it. Oh, that's the new games thing. All right, so here we're going. Summer spoiler season, Commander Horizons 2 spoilers, MH2, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It was after that. Interesting. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, Magic the Game Show, episode 32, released on August 27th, 2021. All right, well, we'll go back and give that a listen and then make sure that we do it better next time. All right, that went smooth as butter. <laughs> Let me tell you. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode. Uh, what did you think about what we talked about this week? Are you excited for Double Masters 2? Let us know on Twitter, MTG Untap Pod, or at Facebook, MTG Untap Podcast. If you have any ideas for stuff you would like us to talk about, shoot us an email, untapmailbag at gmail.com. And if you would please subscribe to the podcast, rate, and leave us a review wherever you're listening on. Um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd very much appreciate it. Also, shout out to our local game stores, uh, Junior's Comics and Cards, located in South Austin, Slaughter and Manchek, near the HEB. Shout out to Force of Will Gaming in Bastrop and um, Alpha Strike Gaming in San Marcos. Smooth as butter, I tell you. That'll do it for this week's edition of the MTG Untap Podcast. I have been Micah. He has been uh, your uh, magic roasting uh, mixtape <laughs> artist, Chrissy D. And we will talk to y'all next week. Have a good night, guys. Later.